This is The Real Good Podcast. My name is John Roebuck, and with me is Blake U-Boat Curtis. <laughs> Hi, nice to see you guys. And see you. Good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Derek Supermarine Armstrong. I'm a supermarine, is that what you said? Oh, yeah. That's good. This episode is called, Well, That Movie Was Awesome, and that's because we'll be talking about Christopher Nolan's new film, Dunkirk. Now, before we want to begin, I want to tell you guys a little story about a younger John Roebuck, 11 years old, 12 years old. How old are you when you're in year seven? Uh, Sounds right. 13? Yeah. A 13-year-old John Roebuck who went to see the movie Gladiator when I was in the cinemas. This is before I was into movies uh, and uh, before... Okay, it was before I was into movies and I was still a young guy. And the impression that Gladiator had on me, no film has ever done again. Really? Ever. And I'm not saying Gladiator is one of my favourite movies because I got got older, I got more into films, I saw other things and I was less, you know... um, susceptible to being blown away by movies. Yeah. And I had never had that feeling again until I saw Dunkirk. Oh, that is awesome. I think it's one of the best movies ever made. Oh, I'm glad you went first. I've seen it twice now. I saw it at the IMAX preview screening and then to double check that it was still good on uh, on a normal cinema, I saw it again uh, on a normal screen and I think I liked it even more the second time around. I cried out softly to myself. I went saw it by myself the second time. Oh, my God, this is awesome, which I also did with the movie (laughs) a few weeks ago. Um, It comes at night Mm. and I'm going to go see it again on Wednesday. Yeah. I also want to say that against my advice, Derek saw this movie after four glasses of wine on the smallest screen <laughs> cinema in Melbourne. So any opinion... Oh, it, was the biggest, it was the biggest one that the Kino had, I think. Any opinion Derek sort of has... Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did not like this movie. What? what? Oh, oh wow. Derek, no. I, I, I disliked this oh, movie. Wow. Are you kidding me? No. Derek. Did you have an inkling that he might this, have gone that way? This is I, yeah. one of the most dramatically inert films I've seen in years. Dramatically inert? But, okay, is yes. it a problem because it doesn't have any characters and, like, any plot? Because, like, there are so many war movies. My that... problem is so much more than that. Oh, Derek, what are you talking about? I, I didn't like it. I th- I think it's I think it um it's trying it tries to fill in major gaps in the dramatic tension with a score that just tries to blow your ears out. Um just the same as it I I'm I'm starting to think Hans Zimmer might be a hack, to be honest with you. Oh, oh, <laughs> John, you look like you're gonna cry over there. <laughs> oh man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh I I, I maybe I'll turn it over. Whatever to Whatever your problems with Hans Zimmer might be, leave Dunkirk <laughs> out of it, man. Oh. Uh, no, you look. I just was not invested in the film. The, yeah, yeah, maybe those are those the problems. The, the the characters were not drawn in a way that that made me care about them or made me interested in them. Oh like, and look, and and we had this text conversation on Friday night before I went, where you said, "Don't go, go and see it on IMAX." Uh, look, that's not that wouldn't have made a difference for me. It really, I mean, I was impressed by the visuals, which and that only would have been. Better in IMAX, I suppose. But I thought that the storytelling was severely lacking, unfortunately. Are you, you going to go again? No. But, okay. Really? You're not so, even no. going to go again? Think about no. it like this. All the oh, bad reviews God. I've read of it, which are few, have a problem with the fact that there's no story and no characters. But that's a conscious decision. You can't bemoan a film for having something that it's not trying to have. I can bemoan it for, me, for making me not care, though. And if I don't okay. care okay. about what's happening, then I can't be invested in the film. Oh, and and I'm really sorry. I didn't know you had such a... I, I knew that you wanted me to see it on IMAX. I didn't check out your... St- your your rating and I, I gave I, it four I, out of ten. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I gave it. Four wow. out of ten. Wow, I just uh, Blake. Blake. Sorry, <laughs> let's go to Blake. Let's no, figure out where we, I, where he stands. I don't want. I, don't, I almost don't want to get involved because I'm really enjoying 
this and I, well, feel I have like, nothing to say. I, I, feel ter- I feel terrible right now because the look on your face is like I just killed your your dog or something. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> I don't have a dog, Mike. Yeah, well, that's because I killed it. No. Um, uh, so, but but Blake, what uh, where do you fall in the on, on the spectrum between four and ten? Um, well, I think I think it's a, a ten. Yeah, I'm, I'm with John. It's okay. a fucking it's, masterpiece. It's not. It's, not it's, no. it's one of the best movies ever made. That's mm, no, not. It, <laughs> it's it's really not. What's, what's interesting <laughs> for me? What's interesting for me is I'm a big Chris Nolan fan. I feel I I think I've been saying to you for years, John. I think he's the best director alive at the moment. I think his work that he's doing at the moment is better than anyone else's that I've seen. Um, yeah, I, look, the, this film is a technical accomplishment. There's no doubt yeah, about it. If that's what I wanted from it, that would have been fine. I'm not talking about technical. Yeah. I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about the, the story he laid down in Batman, like Christian Bale's personal story and the relationship that he had with Alfred. That really hit home for me. I, I found that really, like it's a superhero film and it gave it heart. And that, I found that fascinating. And then he followed that up with, um, he did Inception in between The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises. And he just was just like, I'm just going to do whatever they want. I'm going to just do this trippy dream sequence. And it worked. Yeah. And then he went to space and did Interstellar. Which I don't like. Which yeah. that blew me away in the way that Dunkirk blew you away. Okay. Interstellar so, like, gave me that feeling. And yeah. Dunkirk does as well. And like it, I think it's fantastic. That's because you're the human element of the podcast. And I, well, I, what I think There is no human element in this I, film. I think there is. <laughs> you weren't affectionate towards Tom Hardy? No. Oh, you weren't affectionate towards I just, the old man I just wanted boat? him to run out of fuel, goddammit. Like I was like, this, the pacing of this was so what poor. About, what about what? the old man on the boat? But what about him? You know, be, no. you know, to be honest, though, I agree. I no. actually, I actually think, but it's uh, stripping away characters is actually a significant accomplishment of this film because yeah. it makes every death significant. Correct. And every there's no sort of like cocky sniper that you care more about than these extras blowing up in the background. Yes. It, this movie is an experience of experiencing as best uh, you know you possibly can through the medium of the film, the Battle of Dunkirk, yeah. and by taking away person personality, all the lives are equally as meaning meaningful, and also by taking away they don't show the. Um, the Germans, that makes the violence or even more senseless. Mm. So you get this sense of everyone is in this together and every life is just as meaningful and every death is just as senseless. So it's a conscious decision to take away that, uh, that personality and that character because it's not about caring for these characters. It's about the experience of Dunkirk as a film. Mm. And I, I, I respect those artistic ambitions and I think that I can see what he was going for. Uh, all I can say is that it just left me indifferent. Like it just did not engage me. I kept on thinking... Okay, one one thing I'll back up and say is I didn't get what they were doing with the narrative. I didn't even though they gave those numerals at the beginning and said one the mole, two by C, whatever, I didn't understand and even though they listed at the time that each story took, I didn't know what that meant at that time. I think that was a conscious And so decision. I didn't it never it never occurred to me to, to look at that narrative choice and say that's really clever or that's working out well. I just thought it resulted in something that I was confused by. I said, well, okay, now we're going back to Tom Hardy. He's still looking at his fuel gauge. He looked at his fuel gauge five minutes ago. He looked at his fuel gauge five minutes before that. He looked at his broken fuel gauge five minutes before that. It, it felt very protracted, and it, it, it had the result of sapping all the tension from it. I just didn't understand. Really? And the guy, when the guy's drowning in the ship that crashed in the water and the, and the ship keeps going down, 
I kept going back to it, and it was like one more inch of water is in there. Oh, now one more. Oh, sorry, centimeter. <laughs> well, you know, it's just like it wasn't. You're now country now, mate. Yeah. You didn't feel that, like that that moment that you talk about. Because no, I didn't know between... that person. I didn't care about him. But like, but, but it's it, not about it, feeling it for yeah. him. It's about the experience of like, like conveying what it would be like to yeah, conveying an experience. Yeah. Okay. There, there's no doubt it's immersive. And like the, I think that is definitely true. But, there's, there's but all immersive is something that I didn't war, care about. There's all already war films with these, you know, like with characters, and and I think my my problem with a lot of war films. I mean, you see like Saving Private Ryan, which is essentially like war porn. It's a cool action movie, but it's mm. a bad anti-war movie. Yeah. And it's, it almost makes films war look appealing. And you see, like, you know, you get introduced to these characters, which means you care about, you know, in, in, in a way, it's uh, it's uh, really poor in the way it conve- uh, conveys anti-war sentiment because you do care about some deaths more than others. And, the you know, Nazis are villains. This strips it away, like that, all of that away. Mm. And it just becomes this force of uh, anti like, and maybe how understand awful, what would have been yeah. like, what so, that yeah, battle would as, have been as best like. you can as an audience yeah. member in a cinema. Uh, like, I think that's, I think that, I think there's absolute truth to what you're saying, and, and it's like it goes back to what I said. Like, I respect the intention of what was going on here, but I can't help the fact that it just left me feeling flat. Like, uh, yeah, and and I think if I have one. Well, I, I'm sure I have a number of kind of flaws as a as a cinephile. Well, and one is one of you them, turn up to the movie drunk out of your mind, mate. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't falling asleep. Rendering your opinion on this, I movie wasn't falling asleep. I was. I was completely watching it. I was engaged. Yeah. I didn't. I mean, it was short enough. You know, it's not. It's not bloated in length, which is could it could have been, and that's that's a smart decision, I think. But um, so it, I really, honestly, don't think I was trying to think afterward. Did the conditions that I saw this under affect me in some way? And and my my answer was no, they didn't. It's it's I I understood what this film was trying to do. Well, not not fully because I had to go afterward and 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 check on Wikipedia and realize oh it's three stories in three different time. So we should probably say that. So the film has three different overlapping narratives or parallel narratives, one of which is compressed into something like. Three hours. Uh, one so, is in so the mole the, on the, the yeah. beach, the marines on the beach one is week? one week. Okay. The boat stuff one is one day, and the air stuff's one an hour. hour. And even that's that. That yeah. I feel like every decision behind that he that he's made is just so considered. Like mm. the that. Not only is it you know incredible for pacing, and it's a, it's a really great payoff in terms of how it's all put together for me, uh, but also the way when it does come together towards the end. Spoiler, I guess. Alert. It's it just show goes to show that like there's this huge event or like what feels like a huge event, but it's just been made up of so many yeah. separate things happening all at once, which would happen all the time in war. Like yeah. you know, this sort of butterfly affecting. Plus, I mean, even um, uh, a reflection of how the war would be for a pilot would be that they come in and out. It's quick, mm. whereas for marines, it's like you know a huge slog. It's yeah. like, there's it's just such a considered movie, and well, that's what I really liked as well is that concept of you saw one battle, so you saw one battle from the plane's point of view, and then twenty minutes later, you see what that same battle felt like for one of the people on that boat. And so you get these perspectives, these different perspectives of different people in war. I guess I, I didn't really understand that was, well, that's what was happening in those parts. Mm-hmm. So I, well, there were certain parts where one character converged into another story, and I obviously got that. But some of the other things, I was like, well, is that, is that this one Spitfire plane or is that another Spitfire plane? Like, I, I, I couldn't say for sure. All the planes we saw were not always the same planes, right? I think I, in about four years' time when you rewatch yeah. this movie, <laughs> you're going to love it. Mm-hmm. So, so here's what I was starting to say before, and then we got sidetracked, is if I have a fatal flaw as a cinephile, it might be that I'm too conventional and that I expect certain conventions to be fulfilled yeah. in, in a story. And and this is not to say that I don't love unconventional films. But like Spring Breakers is one of my favorite films of the last 10 years, and I consider that to be very unconventional. Yeah. But, there's, but it has to work 
on me spring emotionally in some way. Oh, I love Spring Breakers. Really? Look at all my shit. <laughs> spring Breakers is terrific. One, but I really we won't like talk about that today. Yeah. Um, um, I think one of the other things that I really like about this film, and what I've always loved about Nolan, is he's keeping film alive. Like he, his films are an event. Yeah, like he 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 shot this with the intention of it being shown at IMAX, so you get the full effect of what this man is trying to convey to you. And yeah. what I think really fascinating is what has ha- come into the world is laptop films, where yeah, which is Spring Breakers is a great example. You just pull up your laptop and you watch it while in bed, and it's just not. The same. To oh, but it looks great on a big screen. But like the guy, even even the guy at IMAX was saying before the film started, well, the, the, he was the image expands. Yeah, in the IMAX bits, and like I mean, that's why I went to see it again in a normal screen uh, afterwards to you know see if it was still a great film. But it's just it, it, it's nice to have directors who are encouraging cinema goers or you know audiences to go to the cinemas. Yeah, and he's such an audacious filmmaker. Like that. this, I've never seen a movie like this. And like there are so many choices, like you said, are so unconventional, and they go mm. against. I mean, these expectations of what film should be that have been built up over a hundred years. Mm. He he just throws the you know throws the map away yeah. and it says this is how I'm doing it. And I feel like he's looked at what has been um, uh, you know these expectations that have been cemented in our minds, mm. and he's actually had the audacity to review them. Yeah, and. and think, is this the right way of doing it? Is mm-hmm. this the way that will work best for my film? And what filmmaker is doing that at the moment? And, you know, I, sorry, I'm ranting a bit. No, I, you know, I, I have my I, reservations about Christopher Nolan and especially I think his, um, his dialogue. When, when normal people are talking, he's, he's almost not even... He's terrible well, at that, it. That's, one of, the, films, and he, he, that's one of the conventions he's thrown out in yeah. this film. And there's like, not, the, you know the I mean? good thing is it's my main problem with him and he, there's hardly any talking in this yeah. movie. So, yeah. Well, after The Dark Knight, I was like, you, he can't, he can't back this up. He can't go bigger. He can't do it. And, and I've my, I got my problems know, with the Dark Knight. And I know Knight, you, yeah. that you have problems with the Dark Knight Rise, but I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about he went, he did Inception, yeah, which, Inception and he did Interstellar. He, he, what do you think about? Did these grand what? ideas? What do you think about Inception? Yeah, it's a, well, in, I actually Sorry liked Inception no, no, a lot no. better on the second time I saw it. The first time I saw it, I was actually a little bit disappointed relative to my expectations for it. Uh, my favorite film of his is still um, uh, Memento. Um, oh, yeah. I still think that is, it's and fantastic. that's the first film that he. See, well, not I, the first I film he made, but the first film he's known see, for. I find that film so much more confusing than Dunkirk. Following oh, the story totally. Yeah. I don't understand. People who are saying Dunkirk's confusing. I no, feel like it's... I don't well, I didn't... Yeah. I, I wasn't confused about what was happening it's in the storylines, so but, but it's, it's <laughs> interesting. The difficulty of having the spatial, the spatial choices that he's made where you don't see the enemy and you just see... Like the scene where... I mean, I can understand. Like So, so the scenes where people are drowning and the camera's kind of half going under and stuff, that's very immersive. And the scene where the, Ger- the Germans are taking target practice on the boat and so they, and so they, they can't move around in there. Mm. It's, it's interesting in the sense that you just don't know what's there that's attacking you, but this is your perspective. You yeah. can't see. You don't have the omniscient perspective that a film usually does. You have your own perspective, and that's what he's creating here. And I get that. I think you asked me before if I would see it again. I think the reason to see it again would be so I could come in understanding that the three storylines were were proceeding in three different time periods. Like, like I kind of – I saw those words, and I kind of just went – I guess I'll figure out what that means so, later so on, I, and, I and then I never figured it out. And then later on, I went, "Oh, well, okay." I, I actually, yeah. I actually uh, enjoyed it, or oh, like a lot more the second time around because I was expecting that. Yeah. So yeah. I could appreciate the fact well, that that was happening from the start. And then I could yeah. look yeah. at it from yeah. that perspective, totally. and that would be yeah. useful. Yeah. But I also then it makes me wonder if a film can't f- 
make me understand it on the first time through? Is there an essential I'm, weakness I'm to it? I'm completely the opposite where I feel like it, the best films that I love more than anything in the world, I watch them again and I learn something even further. Oh, yeah. You like, should learn you know, more on a reviewing, but you should still get the essential greatness of it the first time through, I think. Oh, yeah, but, like, but I still I thought did, it was amazing the first well, time I saw it. And yeah, you're, it you're on the majority. Like this, yeah. this film is a 94 on Metacritic. It's yeah. like it's a ridiculously lo- beloved film. But there's one guy who gave it a negative review and I – haven't read it yet because I didn't want to be biased by his thoughts when I said this yeah. when I when I had the podcast here tonight. But he's there are a lot of legitimate gripes about this film if you are expecting a certain thing from it. Totally. I suppose. But I think yeah. like I, I actually read all the negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes after I saw it, and every single gripe that they had. I thought was a strength of the film. So it's, in, it's interesting, yeah. perhaps it's like, um, it is those sort of expectations of a uh, convention. Maybe. Do you know what I also loved about it was, um, how, uh, uh, in terms of what you saw, how not violent it was. Mm. And I was weird and tenuous analogy or like link, but I was watching this movie, um, the other day called in the realm of the senses. Have you heard of that? Yeah, it's a yeah. P- pornographic, right? Well, it's, yeah. it's about as close to porno John. as John. <laughs> and it was amazing. Podcast finished. See you guys. Um, but it, it's about as close to porn as you can get without it being porn. I don't actually think it's porn. Uh, I think um, uh, if, if it's if film is intended for masturbation, then it's porn. If it's not, yeah. then it's not. That's right. But this film is just like, it's essentially a whole bunch of sex scenes strung together by very um, brief dialogue uh, scenes. And the film made its point after two of the sex scenes, you know what I mean? And it was just excessive by the end of it. And I think that and often the violence in war movies. I think sex and violence in war movies and gratuitous sex and violence miss the point of what film can do, which Mm. is achieve so much more by actually not showing it. Because when you're looking at like graphic violence or gra- graphic sex, okay, that's the reality of the situation, but it's not saying anything. I'm, I'm seeing it and it's fine, but when, you, when, it, when it's, there's just so much of it, after a while it's just making the same point over and over again. Yeah. And this film understood that I think film can accomplish so much more when by man, oh, well, manipulating the art of cinema, the form of well, cinema. Yeah, yeah. manipulation this, in the best possible sense. Totally, yeah. 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 And this film made you feel the violence yeah. without even seeing it. And that's incredible. Yeah, and yeah. that's what I was saying about his evolution. I, I, I was just like, I don't know. When I heard about Interstellar, I was like, he's, I don't know if he can do this. Like, and he yeah, did. I, I wasn't and pumped then, for this movie at all. And then the same with, yeah, I remember because I was pumped for it and yeah. you weren't. And then, yeah. One of my concerns also is I, I just don't think it was cast very well. Like, um, I, I think Killian Murphy gets really wasted in this film. Um, Tom Hardy does, just doesn't really have much, very much to do. And the, I, I really just didn't like the trio of, of characters on the boat. Like, I just didn't care about them. Harry Styles is pretty hot. Who's Harry Styles? He's uh, he's like a singer in that band One Direction. He was the, he's not, he's he not was the one, who, one. He's not the one who bumps his head and dies, right? No, he's the one that. Um, I'm he, I'm saying that to be intentionally dismissive. Unfortunately, he but. gets the um, <laughs> he gets the beers at the end in the train. Yeah, that's oh, okay. and, and that, yeah. that's what I I'm amazed as well that you said that there's no character development because there are moments in that film like when they the Germans were doing the the uh, practicing with the weapons on the boat and the guys were inside and. They went to go fire back, yeah. and that guy like looks. No, look, they're all at the same spot. Yeah, I was like, I really like this kid because he was smart enough to understand that. He like mm-hmm. he just kept them on, and then he was admirable trying to do the right thing. And I was, don't you? Wasn't that character development for you? Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I, it definitely tries to follow the arc of a character through, and I'm not saying it, it entirely dismisses character development. I'm just saying something. There was never the groundwork laid toward these characters that made me care about them. And I think that was Nolan's point. Yeah, So totally. it's, exactly. it's, it's not that he, I guess it's not that he failed to do it. It's that I was um, disinterested in what he was doing in the first place. Yeah. He, he just didn't. a protagonist. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I like multi-character films. I love Robert Altman films, like where where there's where there's fifteen different main characters you're following. I don't need there to be a t- t- protagonist, but I need a nugget of something to care about with these people. And um, I think you dismiss that at your peril. Then, then, then I think again, when like uh, when you do care about certain characters more than others, then the extras' deaths become yeah, become less meaningless. Yeah. And I think this is a this, fair point. This yeah. this film really gave me a sense of every life and war is meaningful. Yeah. And some of the most harrowing deaths I think in this film were just people in the background. You're just like, oh god, yeah. what well, a way to die. I think yeah, like the, for me when spoiler alert, when the guy gets squished by the ship. Oh, and yeah. you, just, you don't see it but you hear his scream and I imagine it and I'm like, oh yeah. my god, that is such a terrible well, way to die. Oh man, yeah. it's no such a fucking good that. movie. <sighs> Well, I mean, look, you've convinced me to maybe try it again, but I've got a pretty busy schedule. Myth's starting soon, you know. My wife's going out of town. Like, it's just you got to cho- pick That's your battles. But, but like, this we're is going to be. Gonna go see it again on I Tuesday. mean, this Are is obviously. Oh yeah, high five! <laughs> this is going to be a nominee for best picture next it's year. Uh, it might win. It's, so, like, obviously, need to. Furious. I'll need to reckon with it again at some at some point. It is going to yeah. win best director, best. Not that I really get, like the Academy Awards very much, but it's going to win best director, best film, yeah. best editing, best sound design. Please do not win best score. It might win best. Come score. on, the score. The, Maybe the score was trying actor. to do too much work in this film, don't you think? I, no, but I, I don't think that's a flaw. I, like, I think the score it's trying to create a sense of dread that I didn't think was there no, but organically, also, but and that's it also my problem. Made you uncomfortable. So what it was trying to do with that score is, I was like at the start, I was like, "This is too loud. I'm uncomfortable. I want them to turn it down." And then I was like, "Well, I, these guys on this beach. Not that there's a score playing for them on the beach, but they." Don't get to be comfortable. Like no. they have to be there. And so me being uncomfortable puts them in, in a yeah. mindset it, it, of how they are. Do you feeling. know? It's interesting with Hans Zimmer. He used to write really beautiful scores. Like his score for Gladiator and his score for The Last Samurai are really beautiful. And I, I think his more recent scores they really like, bludgeoning. Like, they yeah. they are bludgeoning. They latch onto one idea and really go with it. And I don't. I, don't, I mean. I, um, it, I think it's less interesting musically, but I think they often work well for the mm. films. Yeah, and and so like I could listen, I could listen to like to so many different uh, tracks on the Gladiator score, and it's, it's, it's that's an amazing score. Whereas this really just has uh, like one or two motifs, mm. and that's it. And he really hammers it home. But it's that sort of film. So is Han the man for you? No, I guess no, no. Well, well, Near Morricone, baby. Well, it was just curious that, like, you know, you said Gladiator was the last film that made you feel like that, and that oh. was Hans, and then... Well, his, his, his scores well. are very emotive, and, you know, like, I mean, uh, all I listen to is movie scores. It's mm. like, like, uh, it's... <laughs> I listened, I drove up from Janjuk today, which is, for our listeners, <laughs> our listener, uh, <laughs> it's an hour and a half away, and I listen, literally listen to the... Um, a Dunkirk soundtrack the entire way, and I'm in a really, like, jacked-up mood right now because mm. it's just <laughs> such intense music. Mm. But, uh... I think I think the score works, and I think for the film it works. So it, yeah, yeah. I will say there are some things that I may have not, I may have interpreted as playing as false because I didn't understand the dynamic that was occurring. So, so in the situation where there's um, Mark Rylance and the two younger guys on the boat, even though that one with the black hair would not have looked like Mark Rylance or not would have looked like the brother of the other guy. I thought they were both his sons. And so I thought that the reaction to the one dying was very strange. Uh-huh. But of course, it was just a misunderstanding of yeah. the d- d- dynamics in the scene. Yeah, right. I didn't know that that – I thought I thought this is the, a man with his two yeah. sons. Well, well the, one of them wasn't his son. But, so things like that can, can but, throw you off. But that's what made and maybe it, that's where the alcohol comes in. Yeah, I don't know. That, that, <laughs> Old drunky. That's what made it authentic for me is because I think I, – I think he almost did a historical approach and was like this is how – um, kids and, and fathers interact in these days. They don't, we, we don't recognise it because it's not yeah. the way fathers and dads 1940 interact. way of doing things. Yeah, yeah. in 2017. Yeah. I, I liked yeah. the stuff. Uh, initially I was a bit um, hesitant with the stuff uh, with the kid on the boat, but I think it, it, it had a nice payoff when um, 
they uh, uh, the son didn't get stuck into yeah. Cillian Murphy's character. Yeah. Or Killian Murphy or Cillian Murphy? I think it's Killian. Killian Murphy's Cillian. character. Um, mm. uh, because, I mean, how do you, even though this guy's done something awful, how can you um, judge someone, yeah. you know, uh, who's been in the position that, that guy would have been in? And there's just some mm. nice moments like that. Um, oh, man, it's a good movie. Yeah, especially mm. where he started where he locks him in the, mm. in the room because he thinks he's this dangerous and, animal. And I think mm. even though Tom Hardy, like, it, it's a, it, it initially seems like why would Tom Hardy have this role? He's such ex- an expressive actor within his oh, eyes. He's, he's essentially the only man who could have played that character and conveyed a sense yeah. of character. And I, I, do you know who I liked? The other fighter pilot who... He, he was great, wasn't he, he? He just had a cool look about him. Has he him. been yeah. in anything else? Not much. I, I Googled him. him. He's a handsome-looking fellow. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but, like, again, for me, when Tom Hardy was like... When you first meet Tom Hardy, He's like, I, I got him. And I was like, I, uh, I love him. He's on me. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm on him. Yeah, I, yeah, that was it. I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> that was like Star Wars that, pilots that mo- kind of line. That moment when like the, the also the, um, the, it's all coming together and all the intercutted sequence are coming together. And then finally the score is like slowly, slowly building up. And then the sc- main theme just kicks in and it's like, this is it. And like, he's got to take down this. Oh, yeah. like, it's just, it's just such a satisfyingly constructed movie. It's so, just a, Audacious! Mm. It's just—it's insane. I—I I cannot believe that I'm saying this is one of the best movies ever made, and I'm—but I'm sure it is. Yeah. And like, I'm saying that I dislike it. That's a pretty big disagreement. It's incredible. <laughs> That's why I was really literally. I've literally um, uh, often, but it's every now and then that experience of watching Gladiator pops into my head, yeah. and I—I I, I always thought it's sad that I'm never going to feel that way again because I'm not as impressionable as I was, and I've seen a lot more films. I'm a lot older. Yeah. And to have that again, the second time, not the first time I watched Dunkirk, but I yeah. had it the second time watching Dunkirk. Was, it's, it's, I, That's I've great. Never I'm, been I'm very happy you had that experience. I've never been to see a movie for yeah. a third time. Yeah. I could just watch this over and over again. It's just, it's, it, this is why like filmmaking is amazing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, well, then, then you go through these there. dry stretches. You go through periods when you feel like uh, my my sense of wonder is dead. They're never going to get me again. And then something comes along, and you oh. and you say, "This is why I'm a cinephile." Yeah. I remember now, and yeah. I'm I'm glad you had that experience. I want people to, to like the films they like. Do you know what's see, interesting? You know? To see where uh, Christopher Nolan will go, because I was talking about um, Francis Ford Coppola with um, Ella, my wife's uh, parents, um, earlier tonight. <laughs> Um, and uh, 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 talking about the fact that he um, he made Jack, that Robin Williams movie in the 90s. Just to finance other films. He made made this (laughs) masterpiece in the 70s and ended up making Jack. Do you reckon Christopher Nolan will ever make a Jack? No, I don't think so. No, he's too snobbish. No, I think he's... (laughs) I just hope... I I really like him. I I don't don't mean to shit on him, but... I just hope he doesn't keep going to the point where maybe he should stop. I feel like that's what Spielberg's done Have you seen the trailer Uh, for Ready Player One? It looks awful. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. Spielberg should have... Stopped when he was in his prime, and no, he's made it. good movies in the last he, five years. No, I would have left it at War Horse. That would have been the last. <laughs> one in. We've got oh, to quickly move on. Um, yeah. One thing I actually want to do say before say before we move on to our top threes is um, if he does keep on making movies, Christopher Nolan. If obviously he's going to keep on making <laughs> movies, I think he needs to find a better screenwriter than himself or yeah. someone who can work on those um, natural. What happened to Jonathan? Where did he go? Well, he's just he's as bad. Doing, he's so, doing so, so these oh, guys, okay. these guys, they're good at writing these like speeches or ideas. So when like the Joker's talking in the Dark Knight, it's great. But when like regular people are talking to each other, which is why the last act on the boat for me is so flat because he in the dark in night. the dark night yeah. because he casts these all, like awful extras mm, and gives him this awful flat. clunky yeah. dialogue and that's just basic stuff. So he's getting everything he, the stuff he gets right. No other filmmaker I think has ever gotten right. Yeah, and then he just. 
fucks up this stuff that he, everyone else is getting right and he well, isn't. That's why mm. I feel like Dark Knight Rises was a lot tighter. Tighter, yeah. Well, and mm. even Batman Begins as well. Mm. But I think the highs of uh, Dark Knight are the highest of those trilogies. Yeah. Anyway, top three. Uh, do you want to introduce the top three, Blakey, or does Derek? Um, Derek can. Oh, I'm, I'm happy to. <laughs> uh, we talked about uh, it, it, our favorite war movies would be too broad, so we t- said our favorite modern war movies was basically, basically the start of the 20th century onward. And uh, I, if we have time, I don't know if we do, I want to mention some honorable mentions, but only if I've determined that you haven't said them already. But um, but but my number three, and, and this is the difficult part too, because a war movie can be deter- interpreted as one that takes place in the context of a war or one where there's actual battle lines and battlefronts and, and uh, gunfire being exchanged. And so my first one is kind of a blurring of those two, which is The Bridge on the River Kwai. Uh, 1957 David Lean film. Is this honorable uh, mentions? Or no, this, this is my number three. This is, this okay, is my number yeah, yeah. three. Um, and I haven't seen Bridge on the River Kwai in a long time, but it's about um, a soldiers who get captured in, uh, by the Japanese and are forced to build a bridge. And there's a lot of stuff about chain of command, and there's a part where the, the commanders take a stand that they shouldn't have to do labor because of their, uh, because of their position and the, and the treaties that have been enacted related to that. And there's something about the, the climax of that film, which is just so terrific. So I won't spoil it if you haven't seen it. Uh, my number two is Apocalypse Now. Um, Francis yeah. Ford Coppola, um, which again doesn't involve a lot of like w- combatants on either side of a battlefield shooting at each other, but it's it's the, the stink of war, the the grossness of war, the the death of war is like just permeating through that film, and it's obviously I don't need to sing the praises of that particular film. Uh, my number one is actually the most recent and a choice that may surprise you, which is Three Kings by David O. Russell, yeah. which I love. Um, obviously, if I'm naming it number one, um, it's about the Gulf War and it involves a bunch of soldiers trying to go in and steal Saddam's gold back or steal gold that Saddam stole from Kuwait and um, just really interesting visual approach. Interesting. There's a line by Mark Wahlberg who says, are we shooting people or what? which is basically kind of gets at like the uh, you know unknowns of war and how uh, the, the rules of engagement and it's just just a great film that's it that's good hey, what, what are you, what, oh, i'll what do i'll do them later if you guys haven't mentioned them i don't want to mention uh, yeah, the films yeah, that you're yeah, gonna yeah, mention yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um my three are kind of interesting because i think they kind of go on a set uh so i remember studying in school at school back back in the day in english i think we studied gallipoli yeah. Um, and I think that, Have you seen that, Derek? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the first times I fell in love with cinema. The like, final shot is oh man, that just seared in your memory. Yeah, <laughs> that really gets you. Yeah. Um, Do you know one of my earliest memories? I was five years old when my parents showed me Gallipoli, yeah. and well, one of my earliest so memories young. is just bawling my eyes out, oh. and it's inconsolable like, on, on the couch in my such old house. Sense, yeah. Such a senseless waste that yeah. that, that that battle. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. Similar, probably the one that just got left off the list is All Quiet on the Western Front, which kind of came in that mm. same era of studying. That's an old school. one. Yeah. Um, just that end scene where he, he's he's drawing the bird and he stands up and he cops a bullet in the head. That's just, that mm. really gets me. Mm. Uh, mine's also uh, number two, The Bridge on the River Kauai, like mm-hmm. you. Um, I think you, you summed up a lot what I really enjoy about it. So I don't, I won't. Quiet, do you like it so much? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> <Quite>. Excellent. <laughs> uh, and the first one is uh, Deer Hunter. Deer Hunter yeah. had a profound effect on me. And again, I think what's interesting about these films is I think my understanding of war evolved as I got older and I was more able to list, let a lot more darkness in. Um, so I think with these films, I saw them at a time in my life where I was at the same point as the film. How much darkness are you able to let in there? <laughs> <laughs> All the way, Donnie Darko type darkness. What about Batman type darkness? Oh yeah, ba- Batman's good. But Donnie Darko's even further off the yeah. than that. Oh yeah. Um, 
And I think the reason for Deanta is just um, just De Niro. De Niro. De Niro is just fantastic. The one of the scenes that I always think about is him dancing with Meryl Streep at their wedding, and they're just so clearly in love with one another and can just never be together. And then to see that man go from that to you know how that ends, like it's just mm. incredible. Oh, I've it's seen it once. Yeah, yeah, I've only seen it once. And I didn't, didn't yeah. think much of it. Oh, it's long, and that's the issue, but it's incredible. It's one of the most incredible yeah. films. Cool. Incredible. <laughs> Uh, right, me My top three My number three is Gallipoli mm-hmm. Great movie Told you the crying story Don't yeah. need to hear it again <laughs> uh, Number two is Kubrick's Paths of Glory Good Yeah, one. that's a great, um, great one Great movie And number one I think has to be Apocalypse Now Which I think sort of goes beyond rankings Out of like ten or five stars yeah. I think <laughs> The the um, concept of uh, taking Joseph Conrad's novel Heart of Darkness and putting it in the Vietnam War Is just such an awesome idea See, yeah. That film's really interesting for me Because I appreciate Apocalypse Now a lot more because of Heart of Darkness, the documentary. Oh, heart, that's it, Hearts of Darkness. Heart, yeah, Hearts yeah. of Darkness. That, that incredible existence. documentary. It's, it's like incredible. Art imitating life to oh, such an astonishing man. degree. I still have to see it. Oh, oh dude. I know. I know. The best. Oh, watch yeah. it tonight, it's man. Incredible. It's, it's an easy watch. It's yeah. like... It gets you like right, so jazzed up about films and yeah. filmmaking, yeah. and and like the stuff that was happening in the movies was happening on the set. Yeah, like, it's yeah. just crazy. Martin Sheen had a heart attack or something. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. 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 Didn't tell anyone. <laughs> um, is that yeah. it? That's the top three. Do you want to do? Uh, yeah, I'll just oh. name them quickly. Okay, okay. So no, I was going to do honorable mention. A couple of them are yeah. World War Two ones that were I considered to be kind of um, uh, concentration camp films or other. Well, anyway, I'll just name them quickly: Schindler's List, Downfall, Waltz with Bashir, Saving oh, Private yeah. Ryan, Inglorious Bastards, and Letters from Iwo Jima. I still haven't seen Letters of Iwo Jima. Me, me neither. Letters from Iwo Jima is, is great. I Maybe really that like should it, yeah. be your classic. My classic? Yeah, because we haven't seen it. Or like, you know, the, the film I've already got a choice in mind. Oh, I'm not going to tell you. Gee. We're talking about a future episode of the show where I'm going to pick a, a movie that the other two haven't seen for us to review. This anyway. is the last episode of the show that Derek will oh, be yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, if he's going to continue to drink during the screenings. <laughs> I, I, maybe it would have made it better, but it didn't in this case. I don't know. Um, any final thoughts on who wants to go first? Uh, Blakey? If you're going to see this film, p- please, please go to IMAX and see it. It's worth it. And yeah. I think it's the only film that I would actually strongly recommend IMAX because it was filmed with those IMAX cameras. It expands in IMAX and you wouldn't drink. If someone gave you a bottle of the best wine in the world, you wouldn't drink it out of a McDonald's cup. Yeah. You may as well experience this amazing movie as it was intended at least once. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by IMAX. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, IMAX. <laughs> uh, Derek. I'll try to end on a positive note by recommending another film with a Dunkirk sequence in it, Not which atonement. is atonement. Okay, so you guys don't like atonement, but atonement <laughs> has a has a seven minute unbroken sequence through the Dunkirk beach. The uh, worst, which I think, the most gratuitous tracking shot in the I history of cinema. Agree. Absolutely it zero purpose. Yeah, it's that. Every time I think of tracking shots, I thought I was trying to end this on a positive note. <laughs> <laughs> every time I think of tracking shots, Kill and, him. Like, the good and bad ones, that is the most annoying one to me. I agree. Just flash for the sake of flash. Yeah, just showing off that it's in one shot. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I, I have less discerning taste about tracking shots we, we than these two like, gentlemen, but I. Like I recommend press and, like, button and Derek's, uh, you press the button and Derek's chair just like flies backwards. <laughs> oh, I have an ejector seat in this in this garage, but it's under your chair. <laughs> Uh, what are my final thoughts? I think it's uh, uh, one you of the best movies ever made. Yeah. Um, I can't that. believe how strongly I feel about this movie, and I'm looking forward to seeing it like at least two more times at the cinemas. Um, that's, cool. that's all Do it. Right, really. Uh, this has been the Real Good Podcast. I want to say thank you to Blake Curtis. Thank you so much, John. And uh, uh, thank you to Derek Armstrong. <laughs> uh, my apologies for... <laughs> 
being um, so contrary. <laughs> so we'll be back soon. We've got to figure out what movie we're going to do next. Yeah, uh, Derek was thinking maybe up. the big sick, but we're going to... Yeah, we'll we're f- going to open auditions for who's going to take Derek's Derek spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, for more information, for more film stuff, we've got great um, video essays and reviews and uh, all sorts of things. Derek writes reviews for us. Go to realgood.com.au. That's real with two E's, which you should know by now because you're listening to the Real Good podcast. It's spelled exactly the same way. Um, <laughs> anything else we've got to say? Uh, that's it. No, that's it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. See you later. See you, John. <laughs> <laughs>